I knew eventually we would get Zach walk up up on this stage. I knew it. We tease Zach all the time. He's a little bashful, and uh, I, I think we invited them on this trip. We felt like the Lord just say, hey, invite, invite them. And um, I think that morning or just recently, he had asked Lauren, like, do you think we'll ever be able to go on a missions trip? So here they go. Dreams, this is a year of dreams coming true. This is a year of dreams of fulfillment, and uh, we've declared that. And the other thing is, uh, he's never ridden in an airplane, so I've been teasing him. I'm like, it's going to be great. But ends up, this other connection happened where he got to ride on an airplane for the first time on Friday. So year of dreams coming fulfilled. I'm proud of you, Zach. And I just declared that over him. I sent him a text. I was like, that's, that's a prophetic symbol that things are going to be happening this year for you guys. So everybody else just kind of hold into that. Just pull that in. So that's for me, too. This is a year of dreams being fulfilled. Even dead dreams or dreams that have been stagnant for so long. Um, those are just, those are for us. All right. Last week was, was incredible. If you missed it, catch it online. Uh, I know uh, there's always a difference watching online. And those of you who are joining now, we, we are so glad you are. But there's a difference in being in the atmosphere. And, and there were some things in the atmosphere. You know, for instance, you'll hear Kenny boisterously uh, shout out and worship because of his exuberance for the Lord, right? You hear that online, it may be like, oh, that's a little weird. When you're here, maybe it's not as weird. <laughs> Unless you grew up a different way, and that's still weird for you. And that's okay. God calls us a peculiar people, and, and sometimes weird is good, and that's some of the things we're pushing into right now, honestly. Like, like we believe in the expression of worship here at Upper Room. We believe in the freedom in Christ, and some people's freedom looks a little different than other people's freedom. I do not shout like that. I do not dance and go crazy, but there are some that do, and that's okay. Just like in a football game, I might yell a little bit, but I'm not going crazy and taking my shirt off and painting my chest. Maybe if I get a six-pack like some of y'all here, I might eventually, maybe. But anyway, it looks different. But, but last week was incredible. And, uh, and I just want to recap because the, the heart was Jesus. That was simply the heart. The heart was just, just Jesus. I, I didn't have four teachable points. Worship didn't have, like, it was this thing where the Lord just said, no, just me. Jesus said, just me. And, and that's what we did. So honestly, today the message is called Just Jesus Part 2. That's what we're going to push into. And last week we talked about the oil on the altar and the, 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 the offering, the sacrifice on the altar, right? We, we talked about, you know, the world versus, versus a godly life. We, we talked about some things with, with just this simply the thought that one day we are going to see Jesus face to face in physical, tangible form. One day... Upon his return or when we get our upgrade or go home forever, right, we get to hold Jesus' face and behold him. And this was just an interesting thought. And I was like, we can't stop there. And, and I just have this thought that last week wasn't an apex. It wasn't, wasn't the end. It wasn't where we had arrived. And I never want to reach that place. I feel this personally it's the beginning. I'll be honest. I am so sick of that word. I have been for about two years, the new normal. You know, maybe God was just sick of the old normal. Maybe the new normal for you looks something like last week. Maybe the new normal is, is a new group of friends or a new business or a new organization or, or a new employment or a new church or, or a new, new way to worship. Maybe that's the new normal. Maybe God was just completely sick of the old normal and he had to wipe some things out so the new could come. I don't know about you, but when I died, I became new and my new doesn't look like my old. And that's okay. And, and so, so anyway, maybe that's the new thing. And I just want to go straight back into that this week and just, just go from that launching pad last week that, that it goes deep. Because I was like, man, how does this flesh out? Is Jesus, no, this is going to sound really weird, but as a pastor, is Jesus enough? Like, is just presenting Jesus enough? 
Or do we need to say the practical ways of how this applies to your life? Or, or what are the four steps of how to bring this to your business? Or bring this to your classroom? Or bring this to your home? And he just said, no, I'm enough. He's like, no, I alone am enough. He is enough for everything you need. He is enough to change your life. He is enough to make you free. He is enough to change your sin. He is enough to redeem you, to restore you, to change your marriage, to redeem your relationship with your kids or your grandkids, to bring them to, to himself. Like, he alone's enough. I believe sometimes, we talked about that last week, the structure's amazing. We're, we're meeting tomorrow night with a few of us to, to get two um, presentations from builders of what expansion looks like here potentially. But the structure means nothing if Jesus isn't in the center of it. The structure means nothing if Jesus isn't that cornerstone, which was already in the scriptures to preach today, then they didn't know that. It's great, but you know, you could have this polished tomb, and I believe sometimes the bells and whistles we can get distracted by when Jesus is the main event, like we said last week. We could get distracted by the program, or you know, I actually appreciate sometimes our media doesn't work right. Why? Because I don't want to be fixated on some beautiful program or beautiful media or this video that enhances this or that. Now, I would love it, okay? I'm not gonna lie. Sometimes I'm like, oh, really? Today? But you can take all that away because I've been to some really good TED Talks that look great, but they don't have anything to do with Jesus. I want Jesus as the center. And sometimes that just humbles me to say, no, Jesus is still the big deal. David didn't have that, and he danced out of his clothes. Like, I, that's where we're launching from today. So we're going to be in first and sec, first Peter, the first and second chapters. I want to start from where we left off last week psalms 34 8 taste and see that the lord is good oh the joys of those who take refuge in him fear the lord for you his godly people for those who fear will have all they need those who stand in awe of how good he is taste and see that he's good the good news the gospel is the good news the gospel is joy right the gospel is hope the gospel is peace the gospel is jesus and we think, oh, we gotta, we gotta tear and we gotta beg. No, it's a free gift. He's Jesus. So we get to taste and see that he's good. And then we get to walk in this, this fulfilled life of not concerning ourselves with the things in the world. We're, let, me, let me press into some of that in a minute. Leviticus. We were, we were in Leviticus 6 last week. And, and part of that was, let, let me get there here. Make sure I'm telling you the right things. Leviticus 6, verses 12 and 13. Again, this is part two. I'm just catching you up. Meanwhile, the fire on the altar must be kept burning. It must never go out. Each morning, the priest, everybody say priest, priest. will add fresh wood to the fire and arrange the burnt offering on it. He will then burn the fat of the peace offerings on it. Remember, the fire must be kept burning on the altar at all times. It must never go out. Today, I believe we're just adding some fuel to the fire. We're adding some wood to the fire. God starts the fire. That's amazing. Like, God starts the fire. You're just saying, no, just keep the fire going. And then what's amazing is now put the fat. And we said last week, fat turns to oil. The oil, from the, even in the lamps of the bridesmaids, the oil always represents Jesus, his presence, right? So as we put stuff on there, all of a sudden the oil comes, and now we're filled with Jesus. So, so let's, let's launch from that place, because I believe today, like, like the door's being opened. We just got to knock. It says, knock, the door will be open, right? Ask, it'll be given. 
These are the things. So there's this process where, where it's yes and amen. His promises, the Bible says in Scripture, it says his promises are yes and amen. It's his promise that's a yes. It's our process that's the amen. It's yes, his yes, our process. So all of a sudden, it is not a works or a striving. It's a receiving mode, but sometimes he just wants us to knock. Sometimes we just add some wood on the altar, and he keeps it burning, and all of a sudden, his oil pours out and fills us up, Right? And I believe today that that's what we're pressing into. Like, like we're just going to keep stoking this fire. We're going to keep stoking this and just putting Jesus in the very center. And we're going to grow based on the wineskin around the wine of Jesus, the new wine. I think sometimes some, so many of, of me, particularly in ministries and churches, they want to build this structure. They want to build this thing and, and have this program or have this process. But we forsake then what's in the very essence of the purpose of it is Jesus. I'll be honest, if the Lord says not to build, we're not going to build, and we'll just cram in here as many people as we possibly can, and we'll take seats away if we have to, we'll sit on the floor, we'll stand at the walls, we'll do whatever we have to do, as long as Jesus is on the altar, as long as Jesus is in the center. Let me, let me get in with this. First Peter 1. Pumped. Can you tell? Must be the Rick Froning shirt. Rich running shirt. All right. I wonder if CrossFitters caught that one. Nicole wore one last week. I was like, I got to wear mine this week. All right. This letter is from Peter, an apostle of Jesus Christ. I am writing to God's chosen people who are living as foreigners in the provinces. How many of you feel like foreigners every once in a while? Like you're just a weird person stuck in a weird land. That's good, because we're temporary here anyway, and our citizenship is heaven. Verse 2, God the Father knew you and chose you long ago, and his spirit has made you holy. God, I, I could just like dwell on each one of these verses for a long time, but I think there's an overall point to read a ton of verses today. So we'll, we'll just move on for a moment here. As a result, you have obeyed him and have been cleansed by the blood of Jesus Christ. Whose blood? not my blood it's not my doing you've been cleansed by the blood of jesus christ may god give you more and more and more and more peace and more and more and more grace all praise to god the father of our lord jesus christ it is by his great mercy that we have been born again because god raised jesus christ from the dead now we live with great expectation has last week and this week just raised your expectation, your anticipation? How many were excited to come to church today just to see what happens? Like if that's last week and that's like, the what's next? I texted Nicole this week. I was at a training in Columbus and there was a class that didn't work out. So I was just in a lobby sitting and I was just reading my Bible. And I texted her, I was like, I am addicted to Jesus and reading his word right now. I just read and weep with great expectation that one day I get to behold the very thing that, that we're becoming, right? Whatever you behold, you're becoming. I want to become whatever I'm beholding. I want to become the Word of God. I want to become the likeness of Jesus. I want to become more and more and more and more like Him. Man, let's move on. I've, I wanted to read like two chapters. 
Oh, praise to God the Father of the Lord Jesus Christ. It is by the great mercy that have been born again because God raised Jesus Christ from the dead. Now we live with great expectation. We have a priceless inheritance, an inheritance that is kept in heaven for you, pure and undefiled, beyond the reach of change and decay. And through your faith, God is protecting you by his power until you receive the salvation which is ready to be revealed at the last day for all to see. So be truly glad. There is a wonderful joy ahead. Even though you have, endu- have to endure many trials, for how long? Just a little while. It's a little while. It's like a little while. These trials will show that your faith is genuine. It is being tested as fire tests and purifies gold. We've got to keep the fire going. You put nasty gold with dirt and and imperfections in it, all of a sudden it melts down and you're only left with the purity of the gold that remains. I want to be on the altar on fire by an all-consuming fire named Jesus. Let me move on. So when your faith remains strong through many trials, it will bring you much praise and glory and honor on the day when Jesus Christ is revealed to the whole world. You love him even though you have never seen him. Though you do not see him now, you trust him. And you rejoice with a glorious, inexpressible joy. The reward for trusting him will be the salvation of your souls. This salvation was something even the prophets wanted to know more about when they prophesied about this gracious salvation prepared for you. They wondered what time or situation the Spirit of Christ within them was talking about when he told them in advance about Christ's suffering and his great glory afterward. Verse 12, and then we'll take a pause. They were told that their messages were not for themselves, but for you. Peter's saying, this is for us. This is for you. This is for them, right? And it says, and now this good news, the gospel, has been announced to you by those who preached in the power of the Holy Spirit sent from heaven. It is also wonderful that even the angels are eagerly watching these things happen. Last week, we talked about what worship's like in heaven. They can't take their eyes off Jesus because he's so good. I I want that addiction to Jesus that I never want to be out of his presence, that I never want to stop worshiping, that I never want to take my eyes off of him. So let's, let's dwell on a few things here. First off, cleansed by the blood. I love that, and I want to touch on that just a little bit. You know, a lot of times, and I was just talking to somebody recently about sin versus shame. See, sin is these things that we just miss the mark. Sin is anything we do or don't do that falls short of the approval, the love, the acceptance, the the pleasing the Father, right? Things we do or don't do that pleases the Father. That's just falling short. It's just missing the mark. It's just getting off compass just a little bit, right? That's sin. And then shame is this thing. It's this this inevocable emotion that comes on something that's of tragedy, that's of sin, that's of guilt, or whatever. This shame is birth. So so let's go back to the garden. And Adam and Eve, once they sinned, all of a sudden shame came on, and they hid themselves because first before sin they were naked. So all of a sudden they took on sin. They, they, They by free will chose sin and then took on shame that they actually didn't have to take on. But because of the shame they had, they hid themselves from each other and the Lord. Sin will oftentimes create this shame in you, whether you've done it or it's been done to you. Sometimes shame comes on when abuse was done to you, when it wasn't anything you chose. Let me just go there for a little bit. When there's molestation, rape, different things like that, all of a sudden this shame is put in you that you didn't even choose that. But then you hide yourself, you isolate, and then you try to distance yourself from community, from God, from all these things. And and sometimes you're not even in church, but you isolate. It leads to depression, all these things. That's shame. That's a root of shame that was caused by or sometimes or somehow connected to sin, whether you did it or didn't. 
Well, let me just give you this good news. You were cleansed by the blood, not only your sin, but your shame, and you were redeemed by the blood of the Lamb. And I don't know about you, but I want you to walk out of here today saying last week there was this repentance for sin, right? I believe today is the redemption of shame too. And I believe tomorrow is, and the next day, and all these things, because shame wants to attach itself to us. Sin may have taken us somewhere, but it's shame that often keeps us there. Sin needs the repentance, right? But it was covered and paid for on the cross. Shame needs deliverance. How many know that Jesus does both? And that cross paid the price for both. So we are cleansed by the blood of the land and shame and anything else. So I want to get to this part of inheritance, being born again in inheritance. I love Galatians 4 and Romans 8 where Paul is talking about the spirit of adoption, adoption and that we were chose and we are sons and daughters. We are children of God, right? And we can cry out, Abba, Father. And then it says our inheritance, that we're co-heirs with Christ, heirs to the kingdom, Right? So all of a sudden, our inheritance is not this earthly inheritance. Let me just tell you this. The cars, the houses, the, even, even what we read last week in Matthew 24, the buildings are going to turn to rubble. I want to focus on the things that are only going to last forever. <laughs> I want to become what I'm beholding. And let me just tell you this. If we become like Christ and we get to behold and be filled with his spirit, all of a sudden things are going to shift into perspective and all these trials that we're enduring for a short while aren't going to matter anyway. We're going to get further into that in a minute. Let's continue on. I want to go to the end. I'm just going to skip around here for a little bit. 1 Peter 1, 18. For you know that God paid a ransom to save you from the empty life you inherited from your ancestors. Your inheritance is heaven. And let 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 me just clarify. Your inheritance isn't just heaven as a destination. Your inheritance is heaven as a lifestyle. Let me just say this. There's nothing in this world that it can offer that compares to the hope that Jesus offers to the joy that Jesus offers, to the shalom peace that Jesus offers. That's our inheritance. Let me just say this. If you're trying to build a wealth to leave to your kids, it ain't going to matter anyway. If one thing, they don't have Jesus, or second thing, the character to steward it. And the ransom he paid was not mere gold and silver. It was the precious blood of Jesus, the sinless, spotless lamb of God. God chose him as your ransom long before the world began. But he has now revealed him to you in these last days. Oh, it's about to get good, y'all. Through Christ you have come to trust in God and you have placed your faith and hope in God because he raised Christ from the dead and gave him great glory. You were cleansed from your sins when you obeyed the truth, so now you must show sincere love to each other. Oh, now. Oh, oh, snap. Now he's putting some stuff on us. We actually have to love one another (laughs) and act like it? Yeah. As brothers and sisters... I grew up in a church where everybody was brother and sister. What's up, up, Sister Brittany? (laughs) It was so funny growing up. I was like, bro, that's so weird. I'm so confused. Right, Sister Lola? Because we're brothers and sisters in Christ. So every once in a while, our family, I'll be like, hey, how's it going, Brother Matt? It's just fun. (laughs) Love each other deeply with all of your heart. Two weeks ago, Nicole talked about the worthy that God is of love. 
how, how, how you're worthy of love, how others around you are worthy of love, even when they disagree or don't think or act like you do, right? For you have been born again. Oh, man, the new birth is so good. But not to a life that will quickly end. Your new life will last forever because it comes from the eternal living word of God. As the scriptures say, people are like grass. Their beauty is like a flower in the field. The grass withers and the flower fades, but the word of the Lord remains forever. And that word is the good news that was preached to you last week, today, and forever. This is the good news. This is the gospel. This is the unashamed gospel of Jesus Christ, that he, that he will give you a new life, a new birth. And with him, nothing else even matters. Yeah, let's just carry on. Second chapter, 1 Peter. So get rid of all the... Okay, that was all about him, right? And now we started to get into a little bit about us. Everybody say knock. knock. Say add the, wood. add the wood. Say I'm a, I'm a priest. You're about to find out. So get rid of all evil behavior. Be done with all deceit, hypocrisy, jealousy, and all unkind speech. <laughs> One of the things I love talking about is gossip and discord. Because we discredit it as a group of believers so much. You gossip. It's any, saying anything about anybody behind their back. Well, it's true. Yeah, that's still gossip. Have you said it to their face? It's not all that bad. Discord is sowing any seed to turn anybody against anything or anyone else. It's the simple thought that might turn somebody to a negative thought about somebody else. The Bible says that our tongue, although a small member of, a, of our body, a wildfire, a forest fire, it can create. Life or death comes in the matter of the tongue. Like newborn babies, you must crave pure spiritual milk so that you will grow into a full experience of salvation. Have you ever heard, heard a preacher smile so much and laugh about get your lives right? Because <laughs> it's beautiful when we do. It's beautiful when we surrender to God and allow him to take over every essence of our lives so that we can live in the fullness of his glory. That's the good news. It is not some work, seeing or earning his love. Like we get to live like this because he empowers us. And when, not if, but when we fall short, he still loves us and picks us up because his grace is sufficient. That's the good news of his blood. Ain't up here acting all perfect to you. I had a rough past two days. Cursed once yesterday. No, I really did. I'm not going to say what I said. It's a bad day. It's full of sap from pine trees. I was operating a chainsaw. My back was hurting from the night before. <laughs> we were behind schedule. <laughs> I was like, I just want to enjoy this nice day. This day's turned into a <laughs> blank show. There, now you know what I said. I repented. Don't act like you all never have that thought. If it's a thought, God knows your heart. I repented. Cry out for this nourishment. Now that you have had a taste of the Lord's kindness, now that you've tasted and seen that he's good, you are coming to Christ, who is the living cornerstone of God's temple. 
He was rejected by people, but he was chosen by God for this great honor. You know the cornerstone was the first stone ever laid. Everything built has to be built on that. It's the foundation, and oftentimes it's inscribed. I want the cornerstone of this house to be Jesus. I want it to be inscribed Jesus. I want it to be all about Jesus. I want our lives to be all about Jesus. I want every ministry here to be about Jesus. I want your life and your purpose and your fulfillment and your freedom and your redemption, your restoration, and everything that you do for the rest of eternity to be about Jesus. He is the cornerstone. What's more? What's more than Jesus being the cornerstone? You are his holy priests. You are his holy priests. Through the mediation of Jesus Christ, you offer spiritual sacrifices that pleases God, as the scriptures say. We're going to skip down to verse 9. But you are not like that junk that it just listed, for you are a chosen people. You are a royal priest, a holy nation, God's very own possession. As a result, you can show others the goodness of God, for he called you out of the darkness and into his wonderful light. Once you had no identity as people... Now you're a God's people. Once you received no mercy, now you have received God's mercy. Oh, man, this is good stuff. Let me talk on identity for a moment. I don't know about you, but before Christ, I was known as a lot of things. An adulterer, a drunkard, a liar, a thief, a convict. All these things, right? These things that identified me or that I allowed to take root. These lies that identified me that took root. And all of a sudden... I had this revelation, and some amazing person, I don't even know who or when, uh, Leif Hetland had a lot to do with it, told me about the love of a father, and told me about the spirit of adoption and what sonship is. And then suddenly I realized that I get to be a little boy with a great big dad, and then I get to brag about my dad all over the place. You know kids love bragging about their dads? My kids, especially when they're little, like, my dad's a firefighter, he's a hero, right? Your kids brag about you because they love you, they adore you, they look up to you. It's inevitable. And I'll be honest, you can be a crappy dad and your kids will still brag on you. There's this inherent thing for the love and the affirmation of a father. And let me just tell you this. There is this father in heaven who created you and you are his beloved, you are his son, you're his little baby girl. And we now have an identity as sons and daughters, as believers, right, as followers of Christ, but sons and daughters that we can cry out, Abba, Father, remember our inheritance it's heaven, it's him. That's our inheritance that we get to pass down. My dad worked a lot when I was a little kid. Spent a lot more time with my mom than my dad, but I knew he loved me. But let me just tell you this. I may not get this crazy inheritance from my dad. I may not get this, this, this life-changing amount of money that will pay off our house and give my kids college and all this stuff. And I don't care because he gave me, my siblings, and my kids an inheritance called Jesus. Some people will work their entire life to give money or give possessions or, or work their entire life for this or that. So to set up their kids for success with a great heart, with an incredible heart. But let me just remind you that the word says that all turns to rubble and it doesn't matter anyway if they don't have Jesus. When you have kids and grandkids or if you currently have them, man, the greatest gift you can give them is the love of Jesus. And first off, start by demonstrating it. <laughs> Turn away from the wicked ways, the hypocrisy, the talking bad about others, the negativity, the hopelessness, all those things. Let me just say this. The greatest thing you can sow in your kids is the hope of Jesus. It's complimenting people behind their backs. 
I grew up in a world where there was a lot of hypocrisy that the pastors on the stage looked perfect, and then all of a sudden, as a little kid, I'm going out to dinner with them, hearing them tell perverted jokes and racial jokes. I'm like, this is God? This is church? And then when my parents got rejected through a series of events, and they were rejected by the people that they loved and called friends and even family, all of a sudden, I'm like, yeah, no thanks. Church, Jesus, that's not for me. Like I said last week, at 12 years old, I made a conscious decision to never serve God again. Became an atheist. Started drinking, getting drunk, and pornography at 12 years old. Why? Because I was exposed to what God really wasn't, and not necessarily exposed in my heart, or at least what I was seeing through my filtered eyes, obviously, the love of Jesus, the demonstration of Jesus, the authenticity and the real Jesus. I had a perception of Jesus that was not reality because of people. Now, now again, once I became a believer and understood the grace of God, now I can give grace for that. But before I received that grace, I wasn't freely given grace because I hadn't been given any. We see with different eyes, but the people around you, man, they need to see the real Jesus. They, they, man, they need you to get rid of all the evil behavior. Be done with deceit, hypocrisy, jealousy, and unkind speech. Why? Because they need Jesus. I need you to need Jesus because others need Jesus. <laughs> I need Jesus. I need filled up every day. My tank started to run low Wednesday, started to recognize it, started to say, God, fill me back up. Stoke this altar. Stoke this fire. Let me burn for you. Thursday, Friday, a little, little less, a little less. Yesterday, man, Jesus, the last two days I haven't been burning for you. I wonder why my heart revealed what was just happening. Let's move on. All right. I'm going to switch it up here. Jesus is the cornerstone. I, we are becoming what we're beholding. We mentioned that last week. Let me just finish this thought. A lot of times, we have this preference of service, right? And there's so many people that come or tune in, and they'll watch preaching through the week, or they'll watch preaching, but then not worship. And I used to be that way. And I've learned that actually worship is what breaks open the heart of stone to receive the heart from the Father. We don't enter into his gates and courts with great preaching. We enter into his gates and courts with praise and thanksgiving. And then all of a sudden that opens up the heart to receive what the Father wants us to receive. If he's the cornerstone, I want all of him. And all of a sudden, something is broken off in worship to where we're ministering to the Lord and our heart is now this tender place to receive the soil. It's a soil that's been tended now for the seeds of the word to take root. Let, 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 me, let me carry on. So then we can receive what the Lord's prepared for us. So, so Revelations 19, 17, we got into the, to the, to the Lord coming, right? In this white cloud, this beautiful white horse. And we get this imagery of, of, of Jesus all of a sudden our worship will become deep when our revelation of him becomes deep. Our worship won't be boring if our view of God isn't boring. Our worship won't be mundane if our relationship and our communion and our walk with the Lord isn't mundane. <laughs> then I saw an angel standing in the sun, shouting to the vultures, Revelation 19, flying high in the sky, come, gather together for the great banquet God has prepared. We are invited to this banquet of his return. We are invited to this banquet, not just as a destination, but as a lifestyle that we get to commune with him daily. 
And all of a sudden, we'll realize that when we're getting filled with his oil daily, when we get filled, we stoke that fire daily, all of a sudden, what's coming out is this way better product than what was yesterday with me and my heart. <laughs> let, let, me, let me carry on. Psalms 23. NLT version, if it's a little different than what you're used to, you King James people. And that's okay. Ain't that right, Brother Greg? He used to be. He used to be. The Lord is my shepherd. I have all that I need or I shall not want, right? He, is, he lets me rest in the green meadows. He leads me beside peaceful streams. He renews my strength. He guides me along right paths, bringing honor to his name. Even when I walk through the valley of the shadow of death or the darkest valley, I will not be afraid for you are close and beside me. Your rod and your staff protect and comfort me. You prepare a feast for me in the presence of my enemy. You honor me by anointing my head with oil. My cup overflows with blessings. Surely your goodness and unfailing love will pursue me all the days of my life. And I will live in the house of the Lord forever. Do you realize, it says, when we may walk through the valley of the shadow of death, do you realize that we're going to be walking through some trials? Do you realize he doesn't always remove the trial? Do you realize he doesn't always remove the circumstance or the issue or the person that's a pain in your neck or the thing? Do you realize that? The other thing is he doesn't always remove your enemy. No, he actually prepares a place for them at the presence of you and him at a table. So we, we want, oh, change God, change him. Change. No, maybe he's trying to change you. Maybe he's trying to change the perspective of you that I won't seek after redemption or I won't seek after justice, but mercy is actually triumphing judgment right now. And maybe he's teaching something in me that this enemy in the presence of my workplace or in the presence of, of me at this place or my past, all of a sudden they're going to encounter me again and now they get to see the redeeming hope of Jesus Christ in me and that presence now transforms them. We want God to transform their heart. Maybe he's transforming our heart so that their heart can be transformed by the witness of us. All this is talking about walking through trials and still Jesus is the one that matters. God doesn't always get rid of a circumstance or trial. He gets it through us. Our old nature's got to die. When we're born again, our old nature has to die. But you know what never changes? God his goodness never changes. Our circumstance, eventually, something will change. We're constantly being transformed, right? And renewed, and hopefully into his, the likeness of him. But he never changes. Our circumstance may change. It may get better. It may get worse. may last, whatever. But he never changes. Oh, this is a good thought, isn't it? If everything or everyone was always perfect, then love would never have to be tested in patience and kindness it would never have to endure, right? Love would never have to be hope. I'm just quoting 1 Corinthians 13 and Paul's definition. Love is what? Patient. Love is kind. Let me just say this. In those circumstances that are hard, in that person that's difficult, in that situation that's difficult, all of a sudden now we're getting tested in the love that we show one towards the other. If everything and everyone around us was always perfect, we'd never have to have patient love. If, my, if Nicole was perfect, which she's close, 
It's like Jesus Nicole, right? If she was so perfect, I'd never have to experience the patience of love. I'd never have to experience the kindness of love because there would be nothing flawless to love in that realm. Have you ever thought of this? This is fun. Like, oh, cool, God. That person's an idiot to me right now. I get to practice patience. And God, I get to love them with kindness right now. The South have just had it right for all along. Bless your heart. Bless your heart. If Emily's Emily, right? If you didn't know that, their culture for bless your heart is like, you're an idiot, I hate you, here's your middle finger. Bless your heart. And they do it with a smile, and at first I felt so loved when somebody told me that from the South. No, they were being love that was enduring and, and love that was seeing hope that I wasn't seeing or, or love being patient to me or kind to me, right? First Peter 2, 21 through 25. We're going to land and finish here. If somebody from the band wants to come, you can. I lost my place. Check this out. For God called you to do good, even if it means suffering, just as Christ suffered for you. He is your example. Did you know that this translates, he is your copy? You're to copy him? That's literally what it means. And you must follow his steps. He never sinned, never nor ever deceived anyone. Now, here's the example. Now, now we understand we are human beings, right? We, we are created in his image, right? We're created to be pure, to be holy, to be a royal priesthood. Side note, anytime you start to believe one of the lies that somebody's trying to convince you of or the enemy or yourself, you just remind them of 1 Peter where he calls you a royal priesthood, a holy nation, set apart, his beloved, you, his inheritance. He is your inheritance, right? Children, but those, those are your identities. Redeemed, beloved. You're no longer a sinner. When you're born again, you're no longer a sinner. You're saying you're son or a daughter. It's not to say we won't fall, but when we do, God doesn't change. He still loves. He still has mercy. He still has grace. Nor ever deceived anyone. He did not retaliate when he was insulted, nor threaten revenge when he suffered. I can't help but think of the cross on that one. Jesus became the example during the crucifixion of how we're to treat our enemies, to those who disagree with us, who those don't see the light. He was mocked, he was beaten for me. He was the ransom for me, for you, for us. He became the ransom, he became the perfect example how to love those who are against you. We often wanna repay evil with evil. This morning, Olivia, she kind of like told me off. She, I, don't, I think she's in that class, so I can talk now. So I joked around with Nicole. I was like, I gave it back to her. I repaid evil with evil today. Joking. She gave me attitude. I was like, I just gave it right back. Sometimes as a dad, you just kind of like, hey, know your boundaries. But anyway, as, as a person, I, I'm, I would probably be considered, this is not a label. I cannot receive this as a purist, right? As a, as a man, I love justice. And I've realized in praying over the last several months 
that God's mercy may be a higher calling in some situation or a life than his justice. Sometimes these political things we're going through, I'm not saying I agree with them or that it's okay. What I'm saying is maybe something ahead of us is working that we don't realize from the Lord that's actually mercy and love that's bigger than the justice that I felt should have happened. Maybe there was some realignment that the new normal is actually putting Jesus as Savior rather than Donald Trump. Again, not saying it's okay. Not saying injustices are, are okay. But what I'm saying is sometimes his mercy that we can't see is better than the justice we want to see. He left his case in the hands of God who always judge fairly. He personally carried our sins in his body on the cross so that we can be dead to sin and live for what is right. By his wounds, you are healed. Once you were like sheep who wandered away, but now you have turned to a shepherd, your shepherd, the guardian of your souls. That's the gospel, y'all. He's the example. You were cleansed by the blood of the lamb, redeemed by the crucifixion, and you've been raised again with him through a born-again experience for eternity with Jesus Christ. That's the gospel. Now, there's some knocking we get to do. There's some choices we get to make to choose God over the world, to choose this over this, to choose this Sunday morning versus this Friday night. <laughs> I think he's calling for a new normal, and it's not has anything doesn't have anything to do with COVID. Well, it may have been part of the seed to get you here. It doesn't have anything to do with politics because he is the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords and all authorities with him anyway. I'm not saying don't do your part and activate your voice and your vote and all of that. I'm not saying that. But I think there's some bigger things that concern us or should be consuming our heart than the things that concern us. Jesus should be consuming our heart more than the things that are concerning us. He is the great redemption. He is the great creator. He is the great savior. Won't you stand with me? Last week, I think, was a seed. I think this week we're going to start walking into a harvest. Let, let me explain. Last week we just presented Jesus. Let, let, me, let me reword that. Last week Jesus hijacked everything and just said, just me. We didn't have a plan. We didn't. Jesus just took over. He consumed us last week. I left last week saying, man, I could have elaborated on this. I could have done this. First Peter 2 was in my message notes. Really didn't go off of my notes last week. And then I left service, I was like, what if people didn't even know this Savior that we were worshiping? What if, we didn't even offer the invitation, but here, here's what I believe. I believe God is so good, he will just, he's an all-consuming fire. And let me just say, when the wind's blowing right, a fire doesn't care where it goes. Look at California, look at the wildfires across Colorado, Florida at times, right? We, we see these things, and he is an all-consuming fire. And when the wind's blowing right, he's going to consume you whether you want it or not. But let me just say, there is a process also to say yes, that we get to say yes to Jesus. And that yes to Jesus means now it's a no to a whole bunch of other things that don't mean anything. One yes with Jesus is far greater than any no you'll ever have to turn down. When I said yes to Nicole, 
I thankfully said no to so many other things in my life, in my past, other women, all this stuff, right? When I said yes, and I do to Nicole, it was a whole lot of thousands I don'ts that don't mean anything anymore. When I said yes to Jesus and I asked him in my heart, those no's don't mean anything. That's all it is. It's a knock. It's adding some wood. He's the fire. He's the oil, right? And I believe this. I believe there's an invitation here today to give yourself to Jesus. Wherever you are, wherever your walk is. And maybe you did come in last week or maybe even this week. Man, I don't know if I've ever accepted him in my heart. I don't know if I've ever accepted the free gift of salvation, the born-again invitation to yield to Jesus, to let him forgive all of my sins, all of my past, to say yes for this great God who's truly amazing. God is not this bipolar God that, that dangles sin in front of you. Say, oh, look who you used to be. You're going to go back to it anyway. No, he's this loving father who's all-powerful and all-knowing, who loves the sin and the crap right out of you. Man, we, we get so, we get these images of God by what's been presented to us. But let me just say this. I believe God wants to present himself to you just the way you need it in the very heart of how you need to receive it. This very intimate, personal thing. Me, it wasn't the way I grew up. I needed an encounter for Jesus. I, let me just tell you this. As an atheist, I knew the word of God. I knew I could quote scripture because I was raised in the word of God. But I didn't know the God of the word. I could argue and I could do all kinds of things. And Jesus knew exactly what I needed and right when I needed it. And all of a sudden, he shattered my world and became my world. I think that's the invitation today. The invitation today is, is this reckless abandonment for what's in the past or what needs to be in the past that needs to die. And then every once in a while, you're going to need to remind that man or woman that they're dead. That you're no longer that sinful nature, but now you're a, you're a royal priesthood. You're a holy vessel. You're a, you're a Jesus people. You're a son. You're a daughter. And that's behind you. Last week, Nicole said, give up something. Throw your phones. Put it on a piece of paper. Put it on the altar but myself selfish we are selfish by nature but God but God I'd love to pray for you and I'd love to start this journey with you tomorrow there's there's a there's a, a big group of people around the nation and world starting a 40-day fast or in even one verse is just 40 days of communion I want to invite you in on that let's let's see what these next 40 days look like there's going to be a big thing called the send out in Kansas City and and just want to invite you in on that but but here's the deal Tomorrow we're also starting, our leadership group is starting 12 weeks of this journey together, just getting closer to Jesus. And, and I just want to invite you, and maybe today is the start of this journey for you, wherever you're at. Maybe it's like, yeah, I'm not going to do that anymore. I'm going to give that up. Like Lydia said, we began Lent. And some of you are very familiar with Lent. Maybe you came from backgrounds and Catholicism and different things where Lent was a very, very big deal. Man, we just encourage you, what, what's 40 days look like together? Whether it's for Lent or just for personal things or whatever it might look like. What's this look like? So just put your hands on your heart. Man, I feel this, this. Something came on me this morning and uh, so here's what we're gonna do. I'm going to pray for you for salvation and for the forgiveness of the sins and a pursuit of a knocking for righteousness. And I believe Nicole has an anointing on her today as a motherly love, as a, as a nurturing love of acceptance. 
of God's favor and acceptance and his love and his mercy and his grace. And then our prayer teams will be around here for as long as you need them. We have prayer folks that, that maybe you need more. Maybe you want to go deeper. Maybe like, man, what is, what is this relationship? What does born again mean? We're starting our growth track today with a connections lunch. We ask you to join. If you're thinking, man, I've been here for a few weeks, a few months, whatever. I think I want to make this home or I want to know more about Upper Room or man, I want to know more about how to go deeper in Christ. We invite you to join our lunch today. And then through the next four weeks and four weeks, we, have, we get to celebrate baptisms, baby dedications and new memberships. We're so excited. But today could be that start of that journey. And maybe you need some more prayer or you need some clarity. we got a team that's going to pray. So I'm going to start with that. And then Nicole's just going to pray for identity. Identity, the Father's heart, the Mother's heart. I'll pray Father's heart. You pray Mother's heart. Lord, I thank you today. Just put your hands on your heart. Just repeat this after me. Jesus, we receive you right now. I say, I receive you right now. I receive your forgiveness right now. I receive freedom from shame right now. I receive the cleansing of your blood right now. I receive the gift of salvation right now. And I ask to be born again with a new birth, a new life, as a new creature in you, Jesus. Say, I am a son or a daughter. I love you. I submit my life to you. And I thank you for restoration. I thank you for redemption. And I thank you for eternity with you. For what you paid on the cross and crucifixion, and how you were resurrected from the dead. I receive the gift of eternal life right now. And I turn from my sinful nature. I turn from my wicked ways. And I declare from this day forward, I will walk in the calling and the lifestyle and the freedom, and the hope, and the joy, and the peace, and the power that you have called me to walk in, and that you've invited me to walk in. I receive you, Jesus. Woo! Yes! A lot of times when we talk about the Lord, we talk about God as Father, and then we refer to the Holy Spirit as that motherly side of the Lord. And so I think of the verse where it says that the Holy Spirit is our comforter and our guide. And that is the, the, the job of a mother. And so I'm just going to pray for you because I'm not in the natural. I am not a nurturer. And I am just like, get over your problem and let's move on. So whatever I'm praying for you is not coming from me, and I just felt like I needed to say that. That's not a prayer that I'm passing on as from Nicole, but this is just the Father sending the Holy Spirit to come to mother you. A mother is there to comfort and nurture and guide. And so we're not just on the journey just to try to figure it out. We have the Holy Spirit that mothers us through the process, that comforts us, that guides us. And so Holy Spirit,
we just thank you that you come just as a mother in our lives, that you would comfort us through the journey from this moment forward, that you would guide us, that you would swoop us up and just hug and squeeze us tight and love us. Lord, that we could just receive that this morning, this this motherly love, this comfort, this nurture, just someone that's some something bigger than us that just encompasses us, and it's your Holy Spirit. It's the presence that you've put in us, your presence. And so we just receive that this morning just as a giant hug and squeeze of nurture and love and just you just pouring out how proud of us that you are. You're so proud of us. Just a mother's love, just the, the, the pride that a mother has for their child, that is what you're pouring out in this moment. We just thank you that you're so proud of us. Just release that in the room this morning, that we would just feel your hug, your squeeze. We just thank you for that. If you're on the prayer team, would you just come up? I felt like there was something that, um, and probably need maybe several others if you aren't on the team this morning, but I just felt like you might just need a hug. I think there's something that supernatural will happen if you just give off a hug. So some of you may just receive that in the spirit and not need that actual physical interaction, but I do think that there is something significant this morning. If you know that's you, sometimes we just, we just, we talk ourselves into thinking that we're not like a hugger. I'm not a touchy person. I don't want you to, I don't need a hug, you know, or you come up to someone and you're just like, but man, there's something about the embrace. And so I just feel like if that's you, if you know that you're like, I, need a, I just need a hug, Amanda has a stink bug in her hair. Okay, moving on. <laughs> and then the, the, you're just something significant though, really. I just really do believe that. So would you just put your hands on your heart? We're going to seal it in. If you need to go, you can go. But there's all these people out here who are dying to give you a hug. And really, it's not just a hug from then. I just cannot reiterate that enough. With the Lord, he, he works in symbolisms. And so these people represent, they're up here. They've, they love the Lord. They have their journey with the Lord. They, they understand what the role is to be able to pray for others. And so to give off a hug is not just personally them. It's the Lord through them. It's the Holy Spirit something happens as they give that out. And maybe you just need prayer and you don't want a hug. That's fine. But I'm just saying the invitation is here for hugs. And if you're on the prayer team and you're not a hugger, then you need to go sit down. I'm just kidding. Because it's about to happen. So Lord, thank you for what you've done this morning. We know, we know without a doubt that you have done transformation in every single heart in this room. We say yes to that that no one will walk out and question the fact that you have transformed pieces, if not all of our hearts this morning. That is the truth. Nothing can come against that. And so we thank you for your, your fatherliness, your motherliness, and we just receive that this morning for your salvation. Thank you. Thank you, thank you, thank you. You're so good. We love you so much. In Jesus' name, amen. So come on, if you know that was you that I was talking about, come get your hug. If you need more prayer, you can get that as well.